There used to be a ringing tower alone on the sea. You became the light that was on me. Love remained a drone that's the height of the field. But did you know that when it snows, my eyes become wide and the light that you shine can be saved? Baby, I can pay you to a kiss from the rose on the gray. Ooh, the love I'm giving you, the stranger reveals, yeah. Now that your rose is in bloom, a light is to bloom on the day. She likes it. <laughs> yeah. R&B, everybody. <laughs> R and B. Hi. Hi. Howdy. What's up? Hi. Hi. I am Rocco. This is Seal. I was waiting for you to say Seal. <laughs> and this is the Rocco and Eliza podcast. Um, if you haven't already, uh, definitely go and check out our Facebook. Go check out. That's my dog Waffles. Check out her Instagram at waffles underscore nyc. Um, at the time of this, she's almost at 800 followers, so go do that. And, um, go to... Go to our YouTube. Our YouTube. Go to our website. Go to our Facebook. Go to our and Facebook. And they will all be linked below, because yeah. I know you're never gonna remember it. Yeah. Go to our Vidme and tip us. If you're on Vidme and you tip us, we will shout you out in a future episode when we're not bulk recording. And that's a fact. <laughs> Waffle says hi. I can Waffles, be trapped in a closet. Waffles doesn't really like I believe I can fly, which is rude. But, you know. It happens. It's, it's, it's a taste thing. <laughs> Waffles. Poochies. See ya. So, we're talking about R&B today. We are talking about R&B. R&B's a whole thing. Which I was very excited about. Because... I was terrified of. <laughs> Why? Because it's so big. It's so vast. It's like pop. But at least with pop, I had an idea of where to start. Mm. Like, like uh, to do this podcast, I'm literally sitting here just wondering, like, what is R&B? I feel like that's just a great place to start. Would you mind, like, just indulging us all? Because I'm curious, myself, I mean, as to what you would define R&B as. R&B, like you said, it's an umbrella term. It's got a lot of different things in it, but it's become its own genre. And what I think R&B is, is kind of what the definition is, like rhythm music. Because if you think about R&B, and I think like the R&B to my 
me my personal opinion. The rena- renaissance of R&B was the 90s, where you have R. Kelly, Whitney Houston, Usher, I mean, Seal. <laughs> I, yeah, the, even... the list is endless. Like, 90s R&B is my favorite genre of music, period. It's interesting. Which a lot of people don't think because, you know, I'm... I, very like the rock alternative type of thing but 90s r&b i don't think anything compares to it at all and i think that's really when it became a genre unto itself yeah that's my own opinion i mean you have a lot of r&b today which i mean just off the top of my head i had you listen to pink and white Mm -hmm. um solange knowles does R&B also. Which, by the way, the songs that she made me listen to are in a Spotify playlist that you can check out yes. on our website and our Facebook, and we'll probably link it in the YouTube and all other stuff. So do that. Definitely or... check it out. It's the longest playlist that I've done for this podcast so far. I hardly added anything to it. Like, I just kind of looked at it, and I was like, yep, that's R&B. <laughs> like, I added, like, a few early things that we'll probably talk about when we're done talking about this, but... Yeah, it's about 40 songs long, but I just think it's... Since our previous episode was hip-hop, it has, it's kind of like that vein of music where you start to get into the rhythm and pop element yeah. of quote-unquote like a hip-hop song. But again, R&B, since we're going to get into the history of it, is a genre totally unto itself. Yeah. Um, I mean, it stems from blues, jazz, it's soul. It, it's a very interesting genre because really like nowadays any pop song that's kind of somber is considered r&b why would you say that i don't think so you don't think so no i don't think so like any any rhythmic pop song that's like kind of slower wouldn't be classified as r&b i think any pop song that's a little bit slower by a person of color is considered an r&b song Ooh, racist I like it. I mean, that's what... <laughs> I'm being honest. You don't think so? I mean, if if Adele writes a slow song... Well, okay. So I also think that there's, like, a production value in it that goes into it. There's, like, a style. Oh, no. Sure. I... Like, Adele's music is definitely more folk-inspired than R&B. Right. There's definitely, like, a style to it. But also, there were a lot of white artists early in the genre's history that created and paved the way for modern R&B artists, like the Ronettes. I think that also, they popularized R&B, because R&B was still in existence yes. before them. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I do think that there there are artists that were misgenred as R&B, like the Rolling Stones were considered R&B in their time. Because the reason why was because they were a blues band. Mm -hmm. And back in the 60s, they focused more on the blues aspect of R&B to basically kind of clump all that stuff together and be like, oh, like you're Motown? Well, you're R&B. You you play blues music? You're you're R&B. Like they didn't have like that specific... No, it wasn't its own genre yet. Mm -hmm. Historically, I see what you're saying. I'm just saying today, I wouldn't make the argument you did personally. Yeah, uh... I definitely never really thought about it like that from today's standpoint, mostly because, like, I'm trying to think of how many, like, white artists come out with, like, somber pop songs nowadays, and, um, besides... At a loss? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I'm just, I'm just really, like, trying to dig deep and think about it, but... 
can't they can't really come up with anything and i think r&b is has the benefit of that genre that still has that kind of integrity to what it was way before it was popularized yeah does that make sense yeah and something that we were looking up beforehand a little interesting tidbit that we just found out is r&b was originally just a marketing term to reach like urban black communities Mm -hmm. like it was just a way to like not not really not really like single them out but to kind of like directly market to those communities yeah it was a form of segmentation and but it was more of like a direct marketing yeah 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 like demographic segmentation like this there is go. how we're gonna hit these people yeah so i find that really interesting especially how the genres kind of like come across because like when i think r&b like one of the first people i think of is like usher i think mm-hmm. of michael jackson i think of yeah same. I, I think of Neo. Uh, yeah i also even Mario. think of mariah carey like those kind of people and like the the more i think about it yeah you're totally right like i can't really like you wouldn't put celine dion in r&b like yeah you're tony braxton is yeah but celine dion wouldn't be yeah like that that's really interesting i never really thought about it like that but like and like the more you think about it you'd be like well what genre would celine dion be because like she they i mean not not necessarily what we're saying is you know but they would categorize her yeah because she doesn't have another genre because she's Celine Dion like her genre is Celine Dion yeah (laughs) but like that that's really interesting I never thought about R&B like that but that's really really neat I really like that but um if you definitely go back it's really interesting to see how like R&B kind of evolved into its own because one of the more interesting things about like rap in comparison because you always hear like hip-hop and R&B as like a coupled thing Mm-hmm. One of the more interesting things I like about rap is that rap never really changed as a style. It's always been, like, just, like, a very, like, rhythmic poetry kind of thing. Like, the idea of rapping, like, you could even go from, like, Rapper's Delight to, like, something now. The idea of it and the form of it is something that is pretty much just stood. Like, yeah, sure, the styles have changed. The, the meters and pentameters have changed, like all like the poetry stuff involved in it. Sure. Has but changed. rap, the nature of rap has not and that, changed. And that goes all the way back, like yeah. to when rap first started. Like rap as like a thing hasn't changed, but R&B as a genre has been morphing and evolving from pretty much whatever the music industry wants it to be since like the 30s and 40s. And you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, and let me know what if you agree, mm-hmm. that R&B in a way is, you know, like, I don't know how to put this, and you'll probably cut most of this out, but... I'm not going to cut anything out. This is all coming out raw. All right. You know, like, soul, like famous singers, like diva singers, like, like Celine Dion, or even like Barbara Streisand... And kind and when you mention the Frankie Valley, people like that that were like crooners, almost. Mm-hmm. I in my mind, I almost think of R and B as the answer to that for people of color. Yeah, 
that's how I always thought about R&B. Because R&B is still, like, it has those pop elements, those, like, soulful elements to it. But it's classed completely separately. Yeah. And I think it's also different looking at it from the past as to now. Mm-hmm. Because you could take... It, it, like, nowadays, R&B all comes from the beats per minute. Like, that's the way that I see it. Like, you could have someone like Usher come out with a song like, yeah. That's not R&B. No. But you could have him come out with a song like Confessions Part Mm 2. It's R&B. And it all comes from the tone. It comes from how, like, the, the pace of the song. It comes from the topic of the song. And that's something that I find really interesting in comparison to other genres, where, like, Really, R&B comes from pacing and topic nowadays, as opposed to the actual musical styles, you know? Because would you consider All of Me by John Legend an R&B song? Because I would consider it a love ballad and a pop song. I think it's a pop song. Yeah. I don't think it's a... But it's a slower song. But it's not that somber like lyric content that r&b songs are known for but then my argument for that would be i consider it a pop song but then i question do i consider it a pop song because it got super popular or do i consider it a pop song because it's pop i consider it a pop song because i think it's a love ballad i don't no, no, think i, I know what like, you're saying but i I'm think just... it's like a completely different thing but let's say it never got famous mm-hmm. do you think if let's say like iTunes or like a label was categorizing it, would they put it automatically as pop? Yes. I could I could see the argument for R&B. No, no, I agree that it's not R&B, but I'm just saying. I, I'm just saying I could see the argument for it because of mm-hmm. the pacing of it, but I would categorize it more with love songs by like Paul McCartney and things like that that were like just like really big like like i would put it more in like the realm of maybe i'm amazed for example and you know what else i think all of me when you think about like you said the musical content of it Mm -hmm. it's doesn't really have the elements of r&b you know what i mean like it's a very simple piano r&b sounds really rich like it has very like yeah, Layered. it definitely has like its own musical style to it yeah. that like you could it's it's uh, it has like, yeah, like a lot of layers. It has a lot of nowadays. It has like a lot of like synthesizers and stuff like that, like a beat. I don't think so much. Well, not not like synthesizers. I wouldn't say synthesizers in the way of like dance. Yeah, you know but I, I would mean. say like a produced piano, like not just like a straight up like it. Like I'm just thinking more of like how. Like, if I were to sit down today and someone were to say, write an R&B song or, like, write a track yeah. for someone to sing over. No, no, over, I see what you mean. Like, what would I use? I would mostly use, like, like some sort of, like, compressed piano and some sort of drum beat as the basis mm-hmm. with, like, a good bass and probably just layer it. And that's probably it. Like, I wouldn't add too much guitar. I wouldn't make the bass too heavy. I would just make it, like, very melodic very simple mm-hmm. and that that's i feel like that's one of the best things about r&b is that the message is very straightforward yeah like as we're talking about this literally in my head all i'm thinking of is we belong together by mariah carey 
You've been thinking like, about that since before we started recording. Yeah, this. I have. I've been thinking about that, and I've been thinking of Confessions, which I already brought up. All I've been thinking about is Let Me Love You by Mario, which I would argue is the not the best, but like one of the best examples of the R&B genre. Now, like you'd never make a playlist or even talk about R&B without bringing that song up. I have a real serious question for you because I'm having like a really hard time with this. Like, are R&B songs, for the most part, breakup songs? No. Because, like, because... I'm thinking about it, and, like, every R&B <laughs> song I'm thinking of is a breakup song. Well, We Belong Together is not a breakup song. But it's, like, it's, you know, it's, like, uh, like a crying to be with someone. I think the genre, oh, not the genre, but the topic is always love. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't know that it's always breaking up. Because if you take Let Me Love You, right? He's singing about a girl that's dating someone else, but he mm-hmm. likes her. Confessions is a breakup song. But, or You Make Me Want to Leave the One I'm With, also by Usher. But those are all like... No, it's all about love. I just... I when I mean like breakup songs, I mean like there's like... You want to be with someone, but there's like a force that you that's can't. Stopping that's you. making it not a love song. But more like a somber, like, oh, this is sad, kind of. Because there's always, well, like, that mellow... how about Doo-Wop That Thing by Lauryn Hill? Mm-hmm. Nothing to do with breaking up or being in love with someone. That yeah, was, and that's an R&B song. It yeah. is an R&B song, and it's more of, like, it's more topical, if you really think about it. Yeah. Of the way youth was and social problems that young people do. It still has to do with love in a way. You're like opening my mind right now. I never really thought <laughs> about that song. Like when I think of R&B, like I think of like specific things. No, that's... What, never. That, that's what I'm saying. Like R&B became its own genre, but do Up That Thing is 100% an R&B song. Mm-hmm. And then also, have you ever heard You Gotta Be by Desiree? I've heard of it. Never listened it's to it. It's nothing to do with love. It's more of like a... Basically trying to say... It does have love in it, right? Mm-hmm. But it's more saying, like, you have to be secure in yourself. You have to make yourself a better person. Yeah. Nothing about loving someone else. Yeah. But, like, self-love. It's also really interesting to see how all of these genres stem from, like, the same place, which is, like, the blues in the 30s. Yeah. It's, like, it's just really interesting that, like, things like rock and roll, hip-hop, R&B all these different genres that stemmed to completely different areas all started with just like this raw depression blues that came out and like it all just stemmed from this one area and flourished into all these great genres and topics of music well i think that's just the history of music if you think about it like blues came from psalms and religious song like that i mean music just comes from these things and blues kind of came out of that religious place honestly well i was thinking more like how blues was just like these people that were just so poor and so like desperate for anything yeah that all they would do is just sing about how poor they were and like that comes from that that whole idea you could even say comes from like like slave songs in the 1800s slave songs like that because it's a matter of faith 
Yeah. And music's always and, been something. And then something. slave songs came from religious songs. Like, that's so interesting to think about, like, how all these genres of music can really stem all the way back to, like, this one point. And it's all because all of that was, like, rebellious. Like, you know, like, like the slave songs were, like, more of, like, a cry of, like, unity and, like, but even self-worth kind of thing. Well, even then, a lot of slave songs, and I mean, I no expert in it whatsoever Mm -hmm. but a lot of it was a matter of faith and hope yes and so even if you talk about that depression blues because they're so desperate like you said this gives a form of solace a form of hope yeah and i think that's always what it's going to be and even you take it to r&b today when you're saying like oh i want this person but there's something blocking me from it Mm -hmm. faith and hope yeah that's it's so it's so weird just thinking about like i'm i'm just like trying to grasp at like how like a guy like robert johnson who wrote the song crossroads in the 30s inspired so much he's probably the most influential artist in the history of music just because like his his he's the first ever blues artist to be recorded as far as records go Mm-hmm. He was like one of the first people that like sat down with the tape recorder and recorded his stylings and that inspired countless countless as far as like rock and roll it inspired like Chuck Berry it inspired Les Paul in the rock world it inspired uh doo-wop and Motown bands it inspired R&B it inspired hip hop all that stuff because it all stems from the same place I'm just saying how crazy it is that like we were literally just talking about how how hip-hop in the last episode stems from the 30s in the Depression and goes farther back than that of just people that would literally stomp their feet and scream about their problems. And, like, that was, like, like how it started, how blues started. That's how music started. Yeah, but I'm, like, people that didn't have instruments. They were too poor for instruments. They would just stomp their feet and they would just talk about how crappy their life was. And, like, that inspired so much. And but it, even, I was just going to say, even before people had instruments anywhere. Yeah. Stomp their feet, get sticks and smack them together and make music about their problems. Because mm-hmm. it was, it's a an outlet. Like anything else. Yeah. It's crazy. And then Gregorian chant. Oh, my God. You know no, what? We're, we're just... No, sidebar. <laughs> my dad used to listen to Gregorian chants all the time non-stop like in my house so when you in the other episode where you were like i grew up on the beatles and all that stuff don't get me wrong like we also listen to other things like he liked the beatles kenny loggins but also gregorian oh chants. my god kenny, that's so <laughs> random the beatles gregorian chants and kenny loggins right into the danger zone that's awesome that's, That's it. so awesome. There should be a Gregorian chant Kenny Loggin remix. Right <laughs> into the danger zone. Oh, I'm going to do that. <laughs> That's um, our new cover band. Gregorian <laughs> chants of every oh my song. God. Just get like 30 people. Get them like in like robes. Oh, I'm tearing up right now. That's amazing. <laughs> I can't believe I blew your mind with "Do Wop That Thing" by Lauren Hill. I never, I just never thought about it. It's not like, it's not like it surprises me, 
it's just not something that like when I think of like a hip hop song or I mean an R and B song, that's just something that comes to mind. But now that I think about it, yeah, like there's nothing else you would classify that as. It's literally just an R and B song, and that's it. So it's really interesting to think about. But like as as R and B goes on, it's really interesting to watch it kind of develop and kind of become kind of like get like swallowed by pop a little bit and like you said there kind of becomes like that that line of like whether some songs are pop or r&b and like yeah absolutely it's not all pop but like mm-hmm. you could say that someone like michael jackson kind of um infused r&b elements permanently into pop mm-hmm. to the point where like even even like paul mccartney did this too but not to the same effect just because like he did a lot more in the rock world too than just r&b but he took a lot of influence from like those 50s r&b artists and incorporated them into his stuff too so you have like a lot of like those elements already like infused but that's also because like like rock and roll is literally just blues and r&b just like turned to 11 yeah and like so like you'll find those influences like everywhere like r&b influences are pretty much in every form of music just because just because the nature of what r&b is Mm -hmm. technically my dog is literally curled into a ball barking into her leg there we go oh there's a dog going for a walk outside that's cute so yeah r&b i don't know what else to say about r&b r&b but I don't know. It's literally my favorite genre. I, I don't know. I feel like I should have had more to say. How does how does the music industry deal with R&B? I mean, I think you know my opinion from what I said earlier, how they classify R&B. Um, but the thing is, I feel like... When I'm trying to think of, like, really big, just purely R&B artists... Mm-hmm. I think, well, like I said, the 90s R&B was my, is my favorite era genre, but I think it dropped off a lot in favor of the pop argument that you're making. Like, there's more of an infusion to be of fair. both of them, which is why I think every time Frank Ocean comes out with an album, everyone's like, oh my god, I can't believe, I can't wait, because you don't, not that you don't hear things like that, but it doesn't have that pure R&B sound full quotations around that that people associate you see how like you associated R&B with a very specific sound Mm -hmm. I think he kind of gets back to that sound in my opinion Mm -hmm. whereas like you have artists today like Drake and things like that that some people consider some of his stuff R&B even Mm -hmm. but it's not quote unquote pure like I would consider Hotline Bling R&B yeah I agree because there's it's not a very rap no, it's not song. very rap. It's, it's very R and B. I wouldn't even consider it pop. I would consider it very somber. Has a very specific, like it hits all the elements to me that an R and B song would be. I agree, and but I think that there's so much infusion with other genres that R and B's own genre has is kind of going back to the way it was. That it's more of an umbrella term mm-hmm. rather than its own genre. Because I mean, you have a lot of R and B artists. Um, but I don't, I honestly couldn't tell you like, oh, these things are, these people are huge and 
their take. Like, cause you even argue beyond some of Beyonce's stuff is R and B, but really, yeah, absolutely, it's gonna fall into pop. To me, so, one of the worst things that happened to R and B, and this isn't a knock at rap, but being labeled synonymously with rap for over a decade as like hip hop and R and B, like you hear it all the time, like mm-hmm. together. I felt like that was just a detriment to both genres. Because to me, they're totally different. Yeah, for sure. And they should not have been grouped like that together. Except for the fact that, for the most part, they target the same audience. Which is why why they were grouped grouped together. But they're completely different styles of music. And to me, I think that was a detriment to both genres. Hip-hop, not as much, because hip-hop is still super popular. But R&B kind of fell to the wayside because it wasn't as... Yeah, I was going to say, I think R&B got swallowed up. Mm Mm-hmm. And that, that's literally only because they grouped it together with either pop, hip-hop, and that's just, that just wasn't fair to the genre. Like, that's something now that you're going to see a little bit more. Like, it's something that, like, when I think of the future of music, um, I'm definitely a lot more intrigued than I am anything, just because normally the way that music goes is you have your popular genre, no matter what it is. Like, it could be, like, normally there's, like, a formula to make money. Um, In the 70s, that formula was, like, disco music. Like, you put big band horns behind anything with a beat, make someone falsetto, and it's money. Like, you saw Frankie Valli do it. Mm -hmm. Frankie Valli was kind of the person who started it. Yeah, like, the Bee Gees, all those bands. Like, even, like, rock and roll bands started, like, converting to have, like, more of, like, a big band feel. Like, Wings did it with Paul McCartney. Like, a lot of those bands um, created, like, this bigger style because it made money. And then you had in the 80s, if you wanted to take any pop song and turn it up to 11, you added a guitar. Synthesizer and guitar solo mm-hmm. in the song, no matter what. In 2000s, well, in in, um, in the 90s, if you wanted to do anything, you either had it, like, stripped down to nothing or you had distorted guitar in it. Like, you either had, like, your Sheryl Crow music yeah. with, like, just acoustic guitar. Natalie and Broglie. Yeah. Or you had, like, Blink-182 and Green Day. Like, those were, like, like your big things. And even even you could say, oh, well, well, people, like, you know, in the hip-hop world, like Snoop Dogg and, like... Nas. Nas and Biggie, like, all those guys came up. But even them, like, if you listen to their beats, they were very rock influence they were they had a they lot had, of, they had real instruments mm-hmm. and that that's something that i love i i wish we talked about that a little bit more in the hip-hop genre i think but we might make a rap episode we should because to me like the beats of hip-hop when they're authentic to me just sound like if you listen to doggy style by snoop dogg the whole album is just a full band behind him while he raps and it just sounds so much more refreshing than even like like his newer stuff where you could tell like Pharrell produced it mm-hmm. and like it's just a lot more like MIDI synthesizers and stuff like that like it sounds so much better like that kind of stuff to me just sounds a lot more authentic um but it, it also goes back to like R&B like what I was saying like in the 2000s if you wanted to add something to your song you added a rap verse to your song and now in our current era, if you wanted to add something to your song, you added a dance break. That's just the way that songs are. There's always, like, a money formula mm-hmm. to your song. So, like, you know, if 
if like Katy Perry's Dark Horse, for example, came out ten years beforehand instead of that dance break. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. In the chorus, there's literally just a dance break as the chorus. And, like, the pre-chorus is coming at you like a dark horse. That's the pre-chorus. And then the chorus is literally just a music. A music. But also she has a rap feature on that, too. But. No, I know you. Like, that would, that would be the prominent thing. But, like, you could literally take that song and replace it, like, in any decade and go, oh, this is what you would change to make it popular in this decade. Instead of the dance break, you would have a rap verse here mm. in the 2000s. You would have, like... A guitar solo. Yeah, like a guitar solo the in the 80s and 90s. You would have, like, a big horn, like... Da, 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 yeah. In the 70s. Like, you could see, like, where all of these things would go. And, like, the money formula's always been there. Yeah. It's just the way that it is now is just kind of strangleholded into, like, the dance scene. And, like, that's just the way it is. And that's a big detriment to R&B also. Because R&B is not dance music. It's slower. And I think that's why it's fallen... It's been swallowed up by other things. Because a lot of these R&B artists that are still doing the same thing... Mm -hmm. Like, even, like, with Frank Ocean or Solange or something like that... They... If they're doing a whole song and it doesn't have the dance break... Mm Mm-hmm. But that, I mean... <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's why I was saying I'm very intrigued by what's going to happen now. Because, like, you could kind of see, like, the future of music. Like, you could kind of have, like, a glimpse of it. And I'm kind of curious to see, because normally, like, you have the pop scene, right? And I said they have their formulas. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, people always get bored of the formula. The thing about music nowadays is it's been a lot longer of an era of pop music now than it's been previously because people haven't been getting sick of it if you don't like pop music you don't have to listen to it anymore yeah you can select yourself out so the the money formula for pop music's kind of just been the same because nobody's been getting angry over that pop music's boring or uh regimented so it's kind of weird because you're not seeing like that grunge movement or you know like that rap movement that took over in the 2000s with like Eminem like you're not seeing that anymore because nobody's tired of pop music like everyone is okay with Ariana Grande and Miley Cyrus and all these people just like being there for like another 10 years and like it's fine but like I'm kind of curious to see what happens when the sales stop because like there's going to be a point where, like, all these people that they're marketing to are going to grow out of the style. Like, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, there's only so many, like, dance beats you can do in the same chords before people get bored of it, and then they have to change it up to a new style. And, like, to me, I'm just really interested to see what that new style is going to be. Because, like, music's kind of reverted. Like, a lot of people say that music got, like, worse. Or, like, music will never be the same like it was in the 50s. But music's never been more like it's been in, like, its purest form. Because, like, if you listen to, like, music, like, if you listen, like, if you talk to, like, a music traditionalist, they'll be like, oh, the music in the 50s, 60s, and 70s was so unique. Like, to me, there are more comparisons between Elvis Presley and Justin Bieber than you could make about any other two artists. Like, you have these two sex symbols of their generation... They are huge figureheads of their genre. 
they were for the most part terrible people. <laughs> <laughs> they they were Kill I, Elvis, they, they were icons of of their their era, not just their genre. Mm-hmm. They did not touch their music for the most part, except for when they got famous. They both got famous for doing acoustic rock, and it kind of exploded. Like you could you could parallel them so much, and you could say that the music industry of then, like if you look at the artists that were completely those groups, those duop groups, those pop artists that were completely manufactured because you could market them. Those groups that were just put together by music industries and like labels and stuff like that, and they really had like a stranglehold on what was produced, what music they wanted suppressed, and what music they wanted promoted. They had a very strict thing. Like they didn't think Chuck Berry could do it because of his skin color. They didn't think he could be marketable in the fifties to the masses, so they had Elvis do it. Like that kind of idea that they were able to just hold down someone and make someone else super popular is something that you see today all the time. Not necessarily for the same reasons, but it's it happens probably as much now as it did in the 50s. And that's why I'm saying I'm so interested to see if music follows the same trends now, because if it's back to where it was in the 60s, that means that you're going to start to see bands like the Beatles come around who wrote their own music and they created their own style, but they also sold out into the style. You know what I'm saying? So like you have a band like One Direction who plays by the rules of the genres that they're in. So they get like their big audience, but then they get to a certain point where they go, Hey, we're popular enough. We don't need to play by these rules anymore. And then they just start recording unique things and pushing the envelope. I know, I know they broke up. She's (laughs) mouthing. They broke up. I'm not saying them. I'm using them as an example because they're like the most recent ones that could have done it. But to me, I, I predicted one direction breaking up like, a year before they did just because I was like think about it from like the labels perspective like you have this mega group right and you have five members right there's five of them yeah like why on earth wouldn't you want to just sell five individual records and produce five individual tours of the same people and all the same people are going to buy all five records and go to all five tours instead of just selling one and then after a few years of that you have the reunion and then that's just going to be bonkers when they reunite. But I would say, I mean, is maybe we should do a whole episode on boy bands. But boy bands have an expiration date. <laughs> boy bands have an expiration date. but And they do the same thing every time. Like, they, like you said, they break up. They go do their own thing. And you'll attend to... Th- Pause before you say what you're going to say. And I think I know what you're going to say, so hold on. They go do their own thing. They get back together. There's a reunion, and everyone's like, oh, my God, we have to go back to doing this. I don't know what you're going to say, but maybe this is it. One, the Backstreet Boys never broke up. No, but it was about the Backstreet Boys. (laughs) My question is, are the Backstreet Boys R&B? Depends on the album. But that's, that's like... 
Because like, originally, I would say, you know what? Because they're very solely. No, I because they're a harmonizing band, as yeah. we've talked about. I don't know on this podcast, but ever. We, 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 will, we will talk about boy bands and, like, their own thing, but there's two kinds of boy bands. There's, like, the harmony boy band, like the Backstreet Boys, where they all harmonize together. And then there's the NSYNC-style boy band, where they all take turns singing. Right. So that's why we're saying the Backstreet Boys are a more of a harmony group. They take after, like, the Four Seasons mm-hmm. instead of, like, the Jackson 5, for example. I don't know. I mean, the Backstreet, Boy ha- Backstreet Boys have R&B songs, but I still wouldn't consider them R&B. Okay. Does that make sense? Also, you wouldn't consider them an R&B group. You would consider no. them a pop group, but you will say that they have, they have songs. They have R&B songs. That would be R&B. Okay. But also, I feel like I, I just think boy bands are their own category. I know it's pop, quote unquote, like popular music, but I just... You know what I mean? Like... A I understand. Boy there's, a boy band's a boy band. There's a whole machine to creating yes. a boy band. There's a whole machine to keeping it going. Yeah. A whole thing with it. And they all come in style at the same time. They all go away at the same time. It's 10 years. Every 10 years. It's every 10 years. I'm not That's kidding awesome. you. That's really funny. If you literally look at every time, like when New Kids on the Block went away and when the Backstreet Boys came out, when Backstreet Boys went away. What is it, like the end of the decade, you would say? Almost. Because then you, you could even argue like, like, the late 50s, there was a rise in doo-wop groups. In the late 60s, the Jackson 5 came out. Like, I'm just trying to think, like, even farther back. 70s, the Bee Gees. 80s, you had New Kids on the Block. You had... Then the 80s went away. Then after the 80s, then you had the Backstreet Boys. Backstreet Boys went away. Then you have the early 2000s, which was, like... Oh, my God, what was the name of that band? So what you're saying is, is that in, like, three years, we're going to have yeah. a new boom. I'm not kidding you. And you aren't quote me. I bet the boom is going to be a One Direction reunion. That's going to spark it. I don't know that. I wouldn't bank on that. But I know there's going to be a boy band boom again. Guaranteed. I would bank on a One Direction reunion. I would bank on it in the next 10 years. There will be a One Direction reunion and it's going to be huge. I think there will be one. But I don't think that that's going to be the catalyst of the boom. Okay. But I think there's going to be a boom. Of boy bands, and because there is a boom of boy bands, that might catalyze a One Direction reunion. Mm. Because the label's gonna go mm, money, a nostalgia, yeah. money. <laughs> Everyone's like, delicious. Oh, do you remember when One Direction was a really big thing like ten years ago? Oh my god, yes! And then the label's like, ha, yeah. have them. In- instead of appealing, instead of One Direction appealing to like the tweeners, they'll be appealing to the early twenty-somethings and the thirty-somethings. Yes, because I know this because I attend Backstreet but Boys. But that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, yeah. They, they go through they go through their cycle. Mm-hmm. The thing is, the second time around, um, it's a little bit harder to legitimize yourself over a nostalgia act. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you kind of have to... You, I think that's a big reason that NSYNC never really got the ball rolling. I just don't think NSYNC was really that great oh, altogether. Snap. <laughs> Here we go. Way. Here we go. If you like NSYNC, email <laughs> spongebobpodcast at gmail.com. We will read your comment, and Eliza will... Roast you. Roast you. That's the nice way of putting it. So I know we deviated off the R&B thing, but really, listen to the playlist. It's like 40 songs, and you'll have a great time. Yeah, it's a fun time. And also support R&B artists, I think. Like we said, they get swallowed up easily by other genres. Yeah. And there are a lot of up-and-coming young people who do R&B because it's, I mean... It's a very good genre. It's a very good genre, but I think it's also something people connect with really well over pop, because pop is more of like, I'm trying to... 
I would say every genre that's not pop right now is on the rise. That's sure. That's the way that I would look at it. A lot of people are kind of as as you grow older and as you grow more or as you grow more like into music, should I say? Mm-hmm. You tend to like listen to pop music and go this is okay. And then you hear something like Bruno Mars who takes something more to the table besides your typical pop music, takes elements of things that people don't grab elements from because Bruno Mars has balls of steel. And, like, Bruno Mars is one of those people that I have the utmost respect for in the music industry. He's one of those people I'll always support just because I know where his head is at in the industry. And he's one of, like, the good people in the industry. Like, he's one of the people that, like, really does good by music. And him and, like, Lady Gaga, like, those kind of people... Like, they, they do really good by music. Like, they, they do a very good job of not only being extremely marketable, they have an insane amount of talent, like, oozing out of every pore in their body. And they just they just know how to add the correct elements to their music to make it really, really good. Because there's one thing to be successful, and then there's another thing to have, like, the respect of your peers in the industry... And I feel like, like you could talk to like anyone in any genre, and they'd be like, "Lady Gaga, she's a saint." Yeah. Like, or Bruno Mars, like he's doing he's, a great job. Yeah. Like you can't say that about guys like Justin Bieber. You can't say that about a lot of people, because for some people, they'll just get those contracts and they'll say, "I made my money for life," because you you're a co-writer on one song, you're set for life, like that's it. So, you know, you could sell your soul sell all the rights to your songs but you get that songwriting right and that's it like you're you're set like there's a reason that people like Katy perry take a million years to put out a new album and it's because she's one eighth songwriter on all the songs on teenage dream and guess what eight out of 11 of them went number one she her her kids her grandkids don't ever have to worry about money again because those songs are going to sell forever forever and that that's the reason that you'll see people like Justin Timberlake go into acting. They'll kind of lose their muse for a little bit because at the end of the day, it's... They don't have the pressure of having to pump mm-hmm. things out And anymore. then when they do, it's extremely high quality. Like yeah. Justin Timberlake proved with the 2020 experience. For sure. Like he didn't have to do music again until he wanted to. And it came out so good. It also helps with like you know your longevity, whatever. But we're kind of stemming off here, so <laughs> let's not let's not ramble too much. Do you want to say anything as far as like a goodbye? No. No. I don't know what else to say. Well, whatever cool R and B song I decide to fade in is gonna start fading in. So. Nope. <laughs> I'm out. Goodbye. Bye.
accepted and this song ain't even happened what I'm feeling inside I need you, need you back in my life, baby When you left, I lost a part of me It's still so hard to believe 